19 minutes to go before we get to 11. I really appreciate the fact that he has agreed to chat to us. Johan, good evening to you and thank you for joining us, man. Hello, Mr. Brooks. Uh, it's only a pleasure and um, hello to all your listeners. Johan, uh, <laughs> you, you, you have a knack for getting into trouble after conversations, so hopefully the both of us won't get into trouble for this one. But, I mean, truth needs to be spoken, or at least we need to understand some semblance of truth here. just want to give you a proper intro as well. You're, of course, the author of Tobacco Wars, Inside the uh, Spy Games and Dirty Tricks of Southern Africa's Cigarette Trade. Um, and, and, you know, we're we going into COVID, uh, um, COVID lo- uh, lockdown level three. And um, I think a lot of people, and, and some might just be disappointed because they can't, have, they don't have access to a cigarette. But the one thing that just absolutely gobsmacks me, and I don't know if you 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 share a similar uh, perspective on this one, is we know that when we first heard of level four, us going from level five to level four, right? When we first were introduced to the notion of levels, because remember when the lockdown was introduced, no levels were given to us, right? Then. We were given levels um, by the president when he announced us going into four. And he then told us cigarettes would be for sale. And then immediately there was a turnaround by the Cogta minister. And now we understand in his speech, now that we're entering level three, that cigarettes are still not up for sale. However, people are allowed to drink by buying their booze and, and consuming it at home, albeit on certain days. Does this make sense in the least bit, considering that even a lot of the research and anecdotal evidence that we've been given is that sort of this ban on alcohol or the slowdown of this de-escalation on alcohol has served some good, despite the fact that some people have been making their own pineapple beer at home, um, but that the cigarette trade has still been going on, albeit at, uh, you know, at a black market level. Yeah, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a complex topic, I think, um, because we're finding ourselves in a situation that's unprecedented in our lifetime in the world. Mm. So, so I think um, maybe from my, my little perspective, um, I think there are certain aspects that I'd like to put on the table first. The one is that there's a lot of information, disinformation, uh, opposing views, uh, misinformation, uh, and speculation floating around uh, within the context of lockdown and the pandemic mm-hmm. in the world. It's not unique to South Africa. For sure. What makes South Africa fairly unique, in, in a sense, is that cigarette, uh, at least the trade in cigarettes, has been banned from mm. the world go uh, during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. There are two, two other countries that have similar uh, bans. The rest of the world don't have that uh, ban. They've never had it. So within that context, I think um, for purpose of the conversation and not to take too much time, let me highlight three examples for you. Um, the one is a story that fairly um, widely distributed on social media mm. that relates to uh, Mr. Edward Zuma and the Minister of Kohta, um, Minister Kosozana Manini Zuma. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that 
uh, you know, it's claimed that he's a director of a particular local manufacturer and that he's therefore a beneficiary of the lockdown and banning of cigarettes. It is not true. He is not a director of a local manufacturer. He was one many mm, years mm, ago. Mm. So um, I think the point I'm trying to make there is that one should be careful about letting our anger and frustration and opposition to ban um, you know, affect the way we, we react to that. I don't think one should yeah, personalize yeah. it. it. It's not helpful for the cause. Yeah, no, for it sure. It makes you less objective. Yeah. The second example is the fact that um, there's a number floating around about the number of smokers in the country. Mm. Uh, and, and that number is 11 million. It's not 11 million. Um, it's between 6 to 8 million, mm-hmm. which is still a substantial portion, but I think accuracy is important. And then the last one is the, the notion that there's some kind of power play going on uh, between the president and the minister of Kohta. Mm. Personally, I don't think it's that simple. Um, it, it, it may be, it may not be, mm. uh, until we see the evidence, we should be careful, because it doesn't help the, the opposition of the ban on, on objective principles. Um, one human being cannot possibly um, define the rules uh, and the regulations. It, it's simply not how government works, uh, and it's a too simplistic approach to it. Mm. So I think those kind of things, um, I think we should, as responsible citizens, be careful when we raise our anger and frustration. Um, because I'm a, as part of my research on the topic, I follow a lot of the social networks and the WhatsApp groups yeah, yeah. and so on. And I do see people resort to insults and, and, and ad hominem attacks and, yeah, and racism, yeah. which I think should stop. It should it doesn't belong in South Africa. The principles on the ban for me um, fundamentally rest on, on five aspects. Um, and I'll be very quick. Um, sure, sure. The, the one that remains open for me, um, and, and I have yet to see the answer, is, is why the ban exists. Um, um, because it was announced without much forewarning, so people weren't quite able to stock up like they were able to stock up on toilet paper and, uh, <laughs> I don't know, beans and stuff. Uh, no, the, the toilet paper in particular, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think it partly speaks to the, the, the court case that's coming up soon between government and the Free Independent Trade Association, which is a collective of local tobacco manufacturers around the rationality of the ban. Yeah. Um, and I won't go into too much detail, but, you know, one would have imagined that if there was a good reason for the ban, that by now, we know in what's the day, 59, um, we would have been taken serious as, as the citizenry and told what the reason for the ban was from the word go. Um, what I've seen is a lot of post-factor hints at, you know, studies and um, uh, anecdotal um, anti-smoking sentiments and so on. But at its essence, if you're going to ban something as a government by decree, at the very least, tell us why, because you might get buy-in, even yeah. from smokers. But to this day, we haven't really heard a cogent, scientific, 
decent explanation why it is that cigarettes have been banned. So that's the one point I'd like to put on the table. And the second one is the issue around the fiscal argument, uh, yeah. which is funded by those against the ban, saying so much money is going lost to the fiscal as a result of this. Mm-hmm. On, its, on its own, I'm afraid to say I don't support that fiscal argument because all sectors in our economy have suffered and certainly tobacco and the tobacco industry or the cigarette industry uh, don't come close to being the largest or one of the largest contributors to the tax base. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think on its own, I'm afraid it, it, it doesn't hold. Um, thirdly, is my biggest concern, and that's the feeding of the illicit economy. Yes. And that's what bans do. They, they, they cause things to go underground. We know that um, you know, government struggled to, to deal with uh, the illicit tobacco industry during the state capture year. Mm. We know that our law enforcement capabilities were decimated during those years. Mm, mm. They, they seem to turn a corner at the revenue service um, recently, just before the, 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 the uh, lockdown. But it's a bit soon to say. Mm. Um, they're certainly not coping with it uh, during lockdown because, as we see by the independent uh, University of Cape Town uh, research paper that was released last week, 90% of smokers still have access to cigarettes, which right. means that, they, that they're, getting, uh, they're getting it from somewhere and it's certainly not the legal market. I did a quick calculation very conservatively. In fact, I halved the figures um, that, that uh, the UCT research paper used. Mm. And I calculated something around uh, 142 million rand that's gone into the illicit economy uh, just during lockdown. Mm. And it's a, I shall say it's a, an extremely, extremely... Uh, almost facetious calculation that I did. It's far more than that. And yeah. all of that money is, of course, off the I was about radar. to say you were just being conservative. Uh, very conservative. Mm. As I say, I halved the number of smokers, I halved the prices of cigarettes out there and everything else. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. And the problem again, and it speaks to the why, is What's the alternative to the 68 million smokers out there by government? If you're going to ban something by decree, place an alternative, um, you know, there for smokers, uh, apart from a reason. So perhaps make, um, you know, medication or alternative to smoking cheaper. Um, right. Because it's difficult to just quit cold turkey, and, and I think doctors will agree with that. It's not good for you. Um and then, you know, it's bans in general. Now, a lot of people use the prohibition era in America as an example of what bans can, can do. Mm. But I like, I like to be more current and um, use cocaine as an example. You know, the United States of America is the biggest consumer of cocaine in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the equivalent of users of cocaine in, in the USA is equivalent to the rest of the world. More, was... more or less. <laughs> so, wow. um, you know, and cocaine is, 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 is uh, illegal mm. in this area. So, and it's a, it's a trillion dollar industry worldwide. So mm. it, it, that worries me. 
especially when the ban is lifted, because what what exactly is our law enforcement going to do about this problem? Because it's not good enough to just ban something. You also need to put into place to enforce that ban, and that's clearly not happened. So we're putting money straight into the pockets of crooks, and at the same time, we've made 90% of 6.8 million smokers in this country criminals. We've criminalized them, which is a substantial, it's almost, what, over 10% of our population. The next point is that I personally believe that the multinational tobacco companies will outlast the ban. And, you know, they've been losing market share over the last 15 to 20 years as a result of local home-growing manufacturers sprouting up in the, in, in the tobacco trade. Sure. And it's simply because of the way they structured. Um, because, you know, we only have one manufacturer that's multinational in South Africa, and that's British-American tobacco, the rest are on import. Mm. They'll outlive this because they're selling their cigarettes elsewhere in the world, and, you know, they, they'll cross-subsidize uh, the local crowd until the ban is lifted. Yeah. The dilemma that I think economically speaking, and certainly from a, a, a local industry perspective, is I'm not sure if our local manufacturers can hold out until the ban is over. And they may very well shut down or you know fold or become much smaller. And in effect, that kind of hands market share to the multinationals again post-lockdown. Um, Jan, I just have I just have one question for you on that issue as well because one of, one of my biggest concerns is of course that we know that uh, the market has been flooded with a lot of illicit yes. sort of weird interesting brands that I assume and I don't know much about this uh, you know the the tobacco industry so I'm not going to now claim that I know that this is how far government goes in regulating the stuff that you buy at your garage or your um, you know, at, at your supermarket. But the fact of the matter remains, I have a feeling that the stuff that you always see in the counters, on the counters, in the shops that you, uh, you know, uh, frequent on a day-to-day basis, those things are generally regulated. A lot of the stuff is new. A lot of the stuff is coming cross-border from other countries, including Mozambique, Botswana, etc., etc. My question is, are there similar regulation levels and aren't those things down dangerous? And second to that, once the, the economy or the, the, the tobacco economy opens up again, aren't we now stuck with a situation whereby these things are in the market and that's what people are going to opt for? Because prices might start yes. dropping, etc., etc. Well, that's one of the consequences of what I believe will likely happen once the dime is lifted. Because what you see is you're seeing the what you've mentioned, um, funny brands, you see that uh, transnational organized crimes are targeting this market of 68 million smokers that are without cigarettes at the moment in South Africa. And so they're entering the South African market uh, more aggressively to step into that gap. It's a lot of money that you're talking about. And it is true that the regulations differ in different countries. And it is true that a portion of the cigarettes that I've seen that are available in the South African market are uh, not as regulated in terms of content mm. as uh, the local, you know, the local content is regulated. Of course, cigarettes are bad for you, whether they, you know, contain good tobacco or bad tobacco. They are bad. For no, you. I mean that we know. Yeah, there is that risk because. Uh, you don't have an eye over what goes into the cigarette that you now buy. 
But, you know, this all makes a part of, I think, my point on you feeding the illicit economy without having the means to deter that. And in doing so, you know, a lot of that money that I've calculated um, also leaves our shores. And, it, 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 you know, I mean, a good example, there was a bus recently in, Dur- in Durban where um, people who were smuggling ammunition were also smuggling cigarettes. So there's this crossover of um, traditional drug and ammunition and also to smugglers and gangs that have also stepped into this um, space to make money. Mm. And they are not going to stop when the band stops. Um, they will have established their route. Many have the smuggling route, the distribution, yeah. the network, the points of sales. And all that will happen is where they are selling their product at premium rate at the moment, yeah. which is way, way above what the, what the legal guys would have sold their product at. They're simply going to reverse the price and sell it at the low, um, you know, what they call the taxed price. So cost of a packet of cigarettes plus excise, which is about 17.50 per box. So there will be a tremendous price war, but they're not going to stop selling these things. So no, it's, I think that's the worrying part. For because me. that's the thing for me is um, because at the moment you find that those are the brands that supposedly are the affordable packs, whereas the, the, the stuff that people uh, are used to, the, the, the legit, let's call it the legitimate uh, packs of smokes, are the ones that people are paying 100, 200 rands for per pack, whereas these funny new brands are the ones that people are paying 50, 60, 70 rand for. And I mean, in comparison, ultimately what you then have is, in my mind, and unless I'm just taking and being very simplistic about this, is that once uh, people go back to being able to buy legitimate cigarettes at 30, 40, 50 rands a pack, those are the ones that are going to be below the threshold of 17 rand 50, uh, including taxes and profits and et cetera, et cetera. So um, for me, I think that what, we, what is done now, the way I see it, is that now there has been this opening up of this market. And the other worry that I have, and you've mentioned it actually, is the fact that it's not the Tani from down the road that's supporting her children for, with school fees, uh, selling, you know, the odd pack of cigarettes, but it's, it's you know, hardcore drug cartels, for lack of a better, for lack of a better word, uh, getting in there and, and, you know, taking advantage of the situation. Johan, I'm looking at the time. There's 30 seconds left till 11 o'clock, okay? Can we do this? Uh, can I just have five more minutes of your time so we can wrap up this conversation and move on from there? Of course, you don't have nothing. Thank you, mate. Much appreciated. That's Johan uh, van Lochrenberg, as you know, former SARS Group Executive in Enforcement. Um, I'm, I'm going to continue that conversation with him after the news because the one thing that I want to get, and, and he made it clear that, look, there's a lot of BS floating around on social media at the moment, right? About uh, Dr. Dlamini Zuma, Edward Zuma, and goodness knows whatever else. The question that I want to understand, though, is, and, and isn't this just a case simply of, you know what? Uh, the good doctor just hates cigarettes and that's why she is taking this particular uh, stance and then she's got buy-in from the rest of government. It's 11 o'clock. It is five minutes past 11 o'clock. Welcome back. You're listening to Gershwell Brooksy on 702 on uh, Talk at 9. Great to be in your company. And uh, uh, just remember that we're going to open up lines in a couple of minutes. Uh, so 011 or 702 021 SMS is on 31702. 
And uh, 072-702-1702 your WhatsApp messages. Either short voice note, alternatively a text message would do there. I'm speaking to Johan van Lochrenberg at the moment. As you know, former SARS Group Executive in Enforcement um, and as well as a, as an author of, of a couple of books. And we're specifically talking about what is the story with tobacco on this one. And uh, Johan, I, I just want to thank you for setting the scene there because I, you know some of the stuff that you had mentioned in the earlier part of the interview – um, I've noticed myself, you know, you look at some of the Facebook groups that are supposed to be uh, in an effort to get uh, the cigarette ban, un, uh, you know, lifted, uh, has turned into nothing but racial diatribe, uh, people making all kinds of threats, saying all kinds of horrible things about the minister, etc., etc., not yet to defend her reputation or her person per se. But the key question that I have, though, and I think, uh, you know, I just want to raise some 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 straightforward Issues that um, have arisen also, and you have pointed to some of the the, the, the nonsense, the, the fake news doing the rounds via social media as well, which is also not helping the situation. What if we have the minister all misunderstood? We all know that um, Dr. Nkosa Zanat Lamini Zuma, when she was minister of health, was the person that banned, uh, or you know, not herself alone, but obviously initiated the whole process of getting um uh, cigarette um adver- advertising to be uh, banned in South Africa much to the dismay of many people were uh, were saying that we'll never be able to sponsor our one day internationals again the Gunston 500 was going to die etc cetera, etc cetera. but a lot of those sporting events and things continued to find a second life anyway um but simultaneously is it just maybe that we have a minister here and you know uh, comrades of hers within parliament within the executive that have said that yeah you know what cigarettes are a bad thing and you know we support you in your anti-smoking campaign whatever shape or form it takes it's possible i i don't know because um i've made the point that the the ban and the basis for the ban has never been properly communicated. Now, mm. now we must understand, and this is what worries me too, um, we must understand that the current regulations um, fit within a context. And yeah. the context is, uh, it's related to COVID-19. Yeah. So, if, if it is what you're suggesting, then it seems to suggest an ulterior uh, purpose to impose policy by way of um, using the regulations, um, you know, brought upon us by COVID-19. Mm-mm. With that, I have a problem because if that is so, it's wrong. Uh, one should not capitalize on such a misery and such an event in the world to try and enforce something else because we don't know the reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the point... The, the point is this, that Minister Lamini Zuma is, is, is not hiding the fact that she's always been anti-smoking. What she implemented in the late 90s and early 2000s as Minister of Health mm. is not unique, unique to South Africa. They were in, in, within the context of protocols adopted by the, by the world, at the yeah. World Health yeah. Organization. We were just one of the first countries out of the, the gates to, to do that. And I think in that sense, she was very successful and she put South Africa on the map for doing so. Sure. But, but it worries me because if that is the case and you're using these regulations to slip in something else, well, 
uh, we'll have to wait and see when the FITA group goes to court to see the real reasons why the ban was imposed. But then it raises my last point, and that is that South Africa has the highest number of diabetics and obese people on the continent. <laughs> yeah. So they're a viable fact. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the number of diabetics is somewhere around 2.6 million and obese people somewhere around 4.5 million. Now, as we know, both of these conditions are uh, um, unquestionably high-risk uh, um, conditions uh, for COVID-19. Both our Minister of Health, Mr. Uh, Dr. Nkize, and uh, our President mentioned uh, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if if health is the issue and health is the concern, um, sugar, red meat, fast foods, processed foods, potatoes, and so forth are equally dangerous to diabetics mm. um, and obese people. And so then one should look at something that's consistent. So government should then look at all consumables that are high risk consumables in relation to COVID-19 and respond equally to those. Yeah. And that's the problem. I guess in the end, uh, you know, there's a lot of consultation going on with, with people um, and, and bodies. Uh, I heard the president say the consultation with the retail sector and the wine industry and so on. We saw early in the lockdown there was... Um, very good consultations between the taxi industry and the spaza shop industries that led to some form of compromise. Yeah. Not, a, not ideal to either party, but out of the consultations came some kind of... Um, compromise. Way. Yeah. I don't see that with the tobacco industry. It's almost as if they've just been shut out. They, they're not being invited to come to the table and there is absolutely no appetite to look for a midway. None. And that worries me because then it perhaps speaks to, you know, some kind of ulterior motive and we just don't know as the citizens. We don't know why cigarettes are banned. They may, uh, I repeat, there may be a very good reason. Yeah. But we don't know that. Johan, the big elephant in the room, unfortunately, and again, I just want to remind you that, uh, and I'm sure you're with me on this one, um, I don't do... Uh, tabloid radio. I've never been in the business of tabloid radio. This is not a tabloid radio platform. But the big elephant in the room, of course, is the Mazzotti photo that uh, re-emerged recently. Um, And and unfortunately, that does leave a bitter taste in the mouth, simply on the basis that people are saying, but hang on a second, the guy, the very guy that backed you, uh, you know, when we heard of CR17 and sort of the Zuma re- uh, re- you know, re-emergence through, um, you know, none other than NDZ, um, that unfortunately that still leaves those questions in place. And it's very difficult then to, to, to look at an anti-smoking campaign champion sort of getting funds from the very same people who pro- are profiteering from people smoking. If you get my drift, um, and 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 yes. un- unfortunately, that does leave a bitter taste in the mouth because then the question is, those are also the very same individuals that then are being benefited by this ban because their products are uh, being seen on the streets, or at least that is the assertion at the stage. What do you have to say to that particular issue? 
because it, it, it does yeah, make it well, difficult to navigate. <laughs> I don't think it's such a big elephant in the room. Um, I just think it's a, it's a misunderstood um, uh, issue, and therefore it becomes a big elephant, much mm. like uh, you know the the Edward Zuma matter. Mazotti mm. um, uh, never denied his, um, his support for the the NDZ campaign in the run up to the uh, uh, elections at the um, at the ANC um, conference. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 controversy started when um, uh, Minister Lamini Zuma denied or, or, or only said there was one meeting, and then I think one of the journalists in Zewa Africa found out that in fact there were a number of meetings, and that raised questions. Well, why hide that? Mm. And that I think is something that um, the minister should answer for herself. Um, I can't do that. I also think it's very likely that Mazotti, Mr. Mazotti now probably regrets his, uh, his contribution at the time because, you know, it, it doesn't seem to me as if the favor is being returned now. Mm. I, I do know that the company that he's a director of, um, Carney Link, forms part of the, the, the Fair Independent Trade Association that's now challenging the minister uh, and the government on the ban. So, you know, I, I suppose once upon a time he was useful um, and now he's no longer useful and such is life. Um, <laughs> I, I, can't say, I can't say more to that. Look, the fact that they, their products are on the street, um, I think tells the story and perhaps we don't have time now to go into it in detail. But I should say that there's not one brand of local and um, multinational companies that you cannot find on the street. Um, mm, you know, they, they're all there. Uh, I've, I've done this research and I can tell you I even have the price list. So they're all out there. There is a story to be told. One needs to understand how it is that you can buy DAP brand or JTI brand or Carnilink brand or uh, Goldies tobacco brand. Hmm. But it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's too much of a, a, a leap of logic to automatically associate the packet going for 90 or 150 rand to the manufacturer. Lots of go-betweens in between. But I do think our law enforcement agencies need to follow that. Um, and, and, and that's ultimately how they'll get to the big guy. To lock up, um, you know, bucky drivers and truck drivers and, and hmm. other shop owners who... You sell these things for a living. Um, I don't think solves the problem. It's the same argument uh, that uh, you know the um, South African Drug Policy Initiative uh, is trying to advance. Mm -hmm. That um, you know it, it it can't be binary. Uh, you ban something, and you know there's no plan that follows. And it, it, we live in a modern society, we live in a sophisticated society, and we've got to be sophisticated about governing society. Um, one size fits all things, it simply don't work. You so I think. Uh, yeah, you're not continuing? You know, on, no, on your, on your elephant in the room thing, look, it's, it's interesting that, that we donated um, at the time. Um, what his motives were, I, I deal with in my book. 
um, he was quite open about that to me, at least, when I asked him about it. Mm. Um, and, yeah, as I say, perhaps you should ask him now um, whether it was a good investment. I, I think if his investment was intended to buy favor for one day when COVID comes knocking, um, you know, it was a bad investment. It doesn't seem to be going in the way. It happens, it happens. Johan, just a final question. I mean, if you were to peer into your crystal ball, I know you're not in that business, but let's just pretend for a couple of seconds that you are in that business where you peer into a crystal ball. How is all of this going to unfold? I mean, we know that we got the pending court case. Uh, uh, we know we are very angry, at times racist smokers on, on social media platforms. Obviously, not all of them, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, there's been uh, quite a bit of ugliness going on in that particular space as well. Now added to it, uh, we have level three. Uh, people can, uh, you know, purchase their alcohol, um, presumably at bottle stores or outlets of a similar nature, consume it at home. Uh, in the safety of their own homes. But unfortunately, we know that that doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to remain safe, especially in a country with high levels of gender-based violence, uh, family abuse. Um, you know, people could still get onto into their car, drive down to the local supermarket, get into a crash because they sloshed out of their minds, but getting behind the wheel anyway. Sure. So there's all yeah. those things that are still possibilities. How is all of that going to play out within a context where you have a president that told us tonight that, listen, go ahead, booze at home. However, um, the lockdown is still in place um, and therefore you can't buy smokes. But there's a bunch of people saying that, no, we're going to take this uh, issue to court. If you had to peer into your crystal ball, how do you see it playing out? Okay, I'll try. I, I don't like speculation. I'm <laughs> no, I hear you. I, and I did, I did forewarn you that I don't do um, uh, tabloid radio. So I'm not waiting for, a, for sort of for uh, uh, this massive expose and crazy okay. thing going. But I mean, right. how's this thing going to play out the, the way that you envision it? Look, I think the court case is, is, is important, not just for the tobacco industry and for smokers, but I think a, a fundamental challenge to the manner in which um, regulations under these conditions um, are applied needs to be tested for, for, for the betterment of our society, mm. and it so happens to be cigarettes. So I think ultimately it's going to hinge on two things. One is the extent to which our courts may... Um, intervene in, in, under these conditions in terms of um, emergency regulations and um, you know the, the statutory role of uh, the Minister of Kochta on the one hand and I think the second issue is what I've been raising is should government be telling citizenry in advance why they do something that infringes on their rights and I see that um, uh, Justice Mukhwen Mukhwen also invited people to come to court and test these things uh, recently, today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think overall I that's think a very important issue. I mean, sorry to interject there, but it's an overall important issue because it does test the constitutionality of the broader issues because, yes, it is about cigarettes that we're talking about right now, but that's not the be-all and the end-all. The bigger question is, the implementation of these regulations, the role that this uh, command center, you know, has taken, um, does boil back down to to issues of constitutionality, and and you know what has been envisioned in the constitution versus what is happening at the stage. Yes, and it's the how. I think um, 
no deny, you, you should ban things that are bad for us, but it's the how you do it. Okay? Yeah. Tell us why, so that we know. Um, I think so. That's I think that's something to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second uh, aspect I've already alluded to, and that's the you know we're pumping money daily into the illicit economy, and we're making cooks stronger. And I should just correct you: the mom and pops out there are also selling cigarettes, so they're effectively little organised crime groupings um, mm. uh, in the suburbs and townships, which is a sad thing because that speaks to the compliance culture in this country. You know, um, we, 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 we're not very compliant. You see that in tax and, 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 and toll roads and that sort of thing. This doesn't help. Um, the situation, yeah. I think the, the other thing, is the point that you've made, I think, the, you know, these social groups and when, when, when big groups get angry and emotional and um, mm. you know, frustrated, it, it reminds us of the divides in society and the polarization. Yeah. And I think instead of, um, you know, doing what I see a lot of people are doing, which is, which is this, you know, sort of race-baiting or, or insulting or, 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 or going full on ad hominem, mm. use it as an opportunity to, to bridge the divide. You know, if anything... Like- the 68 million smokers are, are, are very representative of our society, and why not use this as a, you know, it's unfortunate that it's unhealthy cigarettes, but what a great opportunity for nation-building. Nation <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. You're not going to get it right by referring to the headwear of our minister or calling her names. It, yeah, no, for sure. You know, it, 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 I think that's, it is an opportunity lost. It is actually an opportunity lost. And I think also for me, you know, Johan, and this is for me always at the center of it, and maybe it's because of where I come from and, and the work that I've done and things that I've been passionate about, is is constitutionality, the rule of law, and how all of this plays out. Because tomorrow we have a different uh, national disaster. Uh, you know, what does this say about the powers of ministers what does it say about the powers of special committees that have been set up by, whether it be by cabinet or by the minister himself? What does it say about regulations being passed that become um, law ultimately in, in the absence of parliament? So all of those things we're not busy uh, you know, thinking about. Instead, people are just very ticked off that they can't get their pack of Peter Stuyvesant's uh, camel or, or Daniel or whatever they're smoking. Uh, you know, at their local garage. That's not the key or the only issue here. It is obviously an issue, but it's not the only issue. There's many other convoluted issues involved in this. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, there I should, I should um, compliment government and, and our president, certainly, if I can use your platform, because the one message that's been consistent, although there's been an acknowledgement of mistakes and miscommunication and so on, the one issue that's been consistent is that we're all in this together, and it depends on each and every one of us. No matter who you are, where you sit, whether you've got money or no money, mm. we're in this together. So if you've got a group of 68 million smokers, you know, by all means be angry, by all means be frustrated. Express it, you know, um, people died for us to have freedom of speech, and people sacrificed a lot for us to have this constitution. But let's respect that and let us use this sort of thing as something that glues society rather than 
um, as it does now, in my view, um, you know, mm. it makes me even even more. You know, it's unnecessary. You, um, and, you and I can only dream, mate. We can only dream. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's, no, it's not. I mean, you 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 speak to a lot of people, and and you have a great platform. And I think these are things that need to be said. Mm. Um, because because we don't say it enough. We should remind each other every day that we're all the same and we're all under lockdown and we're all angry and frustrated. So mm. that that's actually something that we all have in common. Let's recognize that for what it is and let's call each other out if people post something on a Facebook group or uh, WhatsApp group you know, or whatever. Let's call let's call them out. Um, we don't have to fight about it. This is this isn't this isn't acceptable. It's not useful. Yeah, not good. Listen, mate, it was so that's fascinating. Kind of my, my, that's my crystal ball hope is that you know um, people unite more mm. under under these conditions as opposed to us being reminded of the of the the polarization and 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 and, and our past. You know, that's still with us in many ways. So for the inside track about how, especially um, because of one thing that stood out for me, I spoke to, I can't remember who now, um, I, 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 you know, immediately, but I know I spoke to one of the journalists, uh, investigative journalists that's been working in the space. Uh, I, I don't want to say it, but I think it's Jacques Poe. He mentioned that for a very long time, the tobacco industry, unfortunately, has been, um, <laughs> you know, a very illicit industry. Um, an industry that's been marred in controversy for all kinds of reasons, etc., etc. But of course, uh, you have a book uh, looking at uh, the cigarette trade, some of the dirty tricks that uh, you know that, that's at play, the spy games, etc., etc. All too often, you think that you're just leaning over a counter saying that I want a twenty of this, but meanwhile, uh, a twenty of lights or filters. But meanwhile, there's all kinds of other in- interesting, insidious stuff going on in the background. So, uh, the books that you have out, I know about um, the the uh, tobacco wars. I see that you also have uh, Rogue, the inside story of SARS elite crime busting unit, which is obviously your mainstay ultimately. And then Death and Taxes, which is an interesting one as well. Yeah, I should say, I mean, they're useful to read if you because. All of them do cover aspects of the tobacco industry, and if you want to uh, argue for or against the ban, it, they would be useful books to read, in my view, because, you know, don't argue from a point if you don't know. Yeah. There's a, a, another book coming out by uh, Tafelberg, ND Publishers. Um, it, it's available online, mm-hmm. and I know in June it's going to be in the shelf called... Um, uh, Dirty tobacco, which will tell you one thing, which is a fact, and I say that in my book too, Tobacco Wars. Mm. Tobacco and politics have have a symbiotic relationship worldwide. Mm. There there can be no doubt that um, there's always something. You know, there's always some kind of um, tussle going on Uh. with the tobacco guys involved in politics and politicians involved in tobacco. And I think this new book that's coming out, it's by a former uh, revenue service official, um, Elita Smithen, worth a read read because it tells you the history of, you know, this this relationship between politics, government, and tobacco going back to the 18th century. 
Mm. And there are some good examples in, in the South African context too. So I, I'll advise somebody to read that book too if they're interested. Mm. But it's a fact of life. I mean, we saw the the, the economic freedom fighters. Yeah. You know, they would not have been with us today had it not been for uh, Mr. Mazzotti's uh, financial assistance. Um I'm sure he regrets that investment too now because I see they're not um, they're not uh, looking off on the ban of the direct either. Who knows, Johan? Maybe fine. you're on to another book there <laughs> because it <laughs> well, seems well, that this, these relationships it's, it's have just been souring. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's undeniable and indisputable. But the extent to which things and, and factors play in on each other, I, I, I cannot say. I, I wouldn't want to speculate it would be unfair. Mm-hmm. Just as what was done to us um, at the revenue service, lots of nonsense and misinformation and disinformation. Yeah. My biggest lesson there is to never do that to anybody else, no matter who they are. For sure, I may man. have issues with Mr. Zuma. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to... Uh, you're not going to be part of a lynch mob, especially an uninformed one. Uh, otherwise, I'd be speaking to Donald Trump this evening. All the best to you, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Cheers, man. That was Johan van Lochrenberg. I think a fascinating discussion.